0: for a first deposit match-up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: Welcome to the Meet the Mancunian Podcast Season 4. I'm Deepa Thomas Sutcliffe, your friendly host. On the streets and nooks of Manchester, my inspiring Mancunian guests tackle their causes with their grit and passion. They are leaders, worker bees, and community hosts. And they share their stories to inspire you all through the season. Relax, grab a brew and listen in to the Meet the Mancunian on Apple, Google, Spotify or any of your favorite podcasting platforms. You can also check out all the episodes on my new website www.meetthemancunian.co.uk Passionate about mindfulness? We hear from Natalie Rossiter, Mindfulness and Forest Therapy Coach in this episode. I'm delighted to introduce my guest, Natalie Rossiter, Therapist, Mindfulness Teacher and Nature Connection Guide. Thank you so much, Natalie, for talking to me today. I'm looking forward to learning about all the different mindfulness techniques you're part of. And of course, it's World Mental Health Day that we're recording this on Uh, so it'll be interesting to hear about that how are you doing today
2: oh thank you for having me Deepa Um yeah I'm doing really well today thank you um, had quite a busy but satisfying day and I even managed a little nap which is definitely a mental health <laughs> tip I <don't laughs> recommend to anybody um, and well done for getting all my various job titles in there as well I do <laughs> do lots of things but they're all linked together which I'm sure I'll explain in time
1: Lovely. To start with, tell us about your passion for well-being and mindfulness. How did that come about?
2: So I was interested in sort of mental health and psychology from a young age really and we didn't have a psychology GCSE or anything like that at my school but I just did my own reading. Um, So I suppose it kind of started there and then I kind of had a bit of a break in that. It was you know like lots of young people figuring out life and what I wanted to do and Eventually, I kind of heard about this training, um, doing some counselor training when I lived in Bath, and I went along to an open day, and the rest, as they say, is history. I think it came from a, a kind of just a curiosity about my own well-being and understanding myself, and then also wanting to understand others, and I'd always been somebody who you know I could just sit down at a bus stop waiting for a bus and someone would sit next to me and just tell me their life story um and I would listen um you know without judgment and usually with fascination um and compassion and uh, that sort of just came naturally to me and just happened (laughs) all the time that would happen so I thought well I'll just turn this into a career (laughs) I'll, I'll start charging for this um so yeah people would often come to me with their problems and i guess i um just felt compelled i wanted to help and so that's i became a therapist um and through my training i learned about mindfulness um really to support myself uh, it was very stressful i was working two jobs whilst doing my training i was in my early 20s Um so I was just trying to support myself whilst doing some studying um and that was a lot of hard work um, and so I needed some stress management techniques and I found mindfulness I think a lot of people find mindfulness that way and the mindfulness led on to the nature connection because I would practice being mindful whilst out walking the dog in the morning before going to work and that was my favorite time of day you know, just noticing the sun through the trees and things like that and it all kind of came together for, for myself and then I started to encourage other people to use these techniques and that's really important to me that I wouldn't ever um suggest things to people that haven't helped me or that I wouldn't use myself and everyone's different not everyone likes the same techniques or they don't work for everybody but that kind of authenticity of oh yeah this isn't just something I've been told through my training to do or I've read in a textbook or something this is something I've lived through myself and I use this as well Um, and I think people really like that approach they can tell when it's genuine
1: yeah I think so and I think that personal experience that you're sharing probably gives people a lot of confidence especially when they're trying something that they may not be as familiar with Mm -hmm. to know that you know you're saying that I've tried this myself it I went through a stressful time yeah it helped me with that stressful time so that that does sound like a really interesting way to obviously test out the technique before you <laughs> share it with others exactly. so now uh, you said you're in many different uh, areas of mindfulness and well-being and maybe start with the nature connection mm-hmm. guide because you know um i had a guest some seasons ago where we talked about forest bathing as something they were going to get into mm-hmm. and obviously you said you're actually doing this so I'd be really interested in that. And ever since I heard about it, I've been, you know, every time I go for a walk with my family in the woods, I'm just sticking the trees in even more. But I'd love to learn from your side.
2: Yeah. So the forest therapy came about from sort of through the mindfulness and then doing some mindful walking, kind of learning about walking meditation um, came through that and then taking clients uh, for sessions outside when some people found that they couldn't kind of open up in a a small space um, and that kind of thing and so I started to feel again through my own experience oh there's something in this nature connection and then so I just started looking it up and sort of reading and researching around it and discovered that it's a whole thing and it has this name and you know forest bathing is something that's been really well researched so it came from Japan um, as, a, as a formal practice. I mean, it's, it's global, it's something inherent in all human beings. Um, so there's a, something called the biophilia principle, which um, a guy called E.O. Wilson proposed. And it just, we, we know it, it just means it's a human being's innate tendency to want to connect with all living things. You know, So when a child bends down to look at a flower um or collects a leaf or a conker or something like that um that's biophilia you know that we just we want to connect with other living things um animals as well as plants um and so yeah we that's it's across the world that everyone sort of does forest bathing I always say that at the start of my forest bathing sessions you know who's done forest bathing before and either no one or like one person puts their hand up and I say actually it's not true you've all done it before but perhaps maybe when you were children, um, or any time when you've walked in the woods and just had a moment of, you know, or looking at the sunlight through the leaves or um, a really cool mushroom or whatever it might be that you found on your walk. Um, essentially that's forest bathing. It's just about immersing yourself in the natural environment for its well-being properties. And let's say that kind of originated in Japan in the 80s, sort of with the rise of technology, um, the government noticed people were really stressed and they wanted something to kind of help out these stressed office workers, city workers. Um, so they sent them off to the forest on their uh, coaches and they would go off. And of course, because it was a government initiative and they'd do these guided walks, they wanted to know if it was effective. And so they started researching it and that's how it's kind of become you know, a thing with a name um, and an evidence base, um, which is really exciting. And the research is really fascinating if you're into that kind of thing but it just basically proves what we innately know when we go into nature um and we kind of have that mindful time where we're not even necessarily trying to go anywhere so it's not like a a hike where you're trying to get to a destination or do a certain amount of miles or anything like that. It's just a different way of being outside you might not go very far at all But it's about the depth of experience and just being really present and curious and joyful about what you see and hear
1: and touch. That is so true. Sometimes it's just a change of environment from an indoor space to an outdoor space or seeing the sunlight after a day when you haven't. It's just uh, all... I'm fascinated by sunrises and sunsets, so I could totally understand what you're saying. And yeah. that, that sounds really, really, really nice. And what are the other things you're involved in? Uh, do you want to talk about them?
2: Yeah, so they, as I say, they all kind of link together um, and come from just that uh, sort of intention, really, to want to support people's well-being because there is no one size fits all. For that we need different things at different times different people uh, kind of are drawn to different types of approaches and techniques so um, my main job I suppose the bread and butter of what I do is counselling talking therapy and that can take place online or I work from a little therapy summer house in my garden where I see my in-person clients and that's a really nice safe space for people to come um, and talk about what's on their minds and Um, And so I I offer an integrative approach, which basically means done lots of different trainings and and learnings about different ways of understanding human beings, basically, and what makes us tick and what helps us and all of this. So, again, because everyone's different, uh, I will apply different approaches, so perhaps we'll focus on um, increasing compassion, maybe we'll be wanting to understand relationship patterns, so we might work with attachment theory, these kinds of things. Um, and then I also teach mindfulness, so these can be one-to-one sessions or something I've been wanting to do for a while, which I set up a few months ago as an in-person mindfulness group in my local community. So I'm based in Salford, um, not too far from the city centre, um, from Manchester. And um, yeah, I really wanted a place, especially after the pandemic, where people could physically come and practice mindfulness together but with a, a focus on mindfulness for modern life so the kind of practical application of mindfulness and um, so we'll talk about an aspect of mindfulness so for example tomorrow's session is about judgment and non-judgment and so we'll we'll discuss how that comes up in our life uh, what we can do about it from a mindfulness perspective and do some guided meditation together and I really love these Sessions just bringing people together. Um, so, I try and offer a variety of things for you know, um, I suppose a range of types of people, but also a range of budgets as well, because this is the problem with the sort of society that we live in. We know there's a mental health crisis, <clears throat> so many people struggling in lots of different ways, um, but not everyone can afford to come for private therapy. You know, the NHS waiting list is very long. And there are loads of fantastic um, initiatives and charities and things like that but it's a shame when we have to rely on charities people who volunteer um and again they're not always available or accessible or again they have long waiting lists and things so um that's why I, I run the mindfulness group and why I create resources and share lots of content on social media as well so I'm kind of trying to reach a kind of broad spectrum of people and I'm just one person, but I'm on a, a little mission. To, just in my little corner of the world, you know, I can share some information and I can offer some support, and it just feels like a, a meaningful thing to do with my time, really.
1: And I hope Meet the Man Union podcast can help you with your mission. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. So what impact have you made so far?
2: Well, I suppose it's hard to kind of quantify that, but. I was reflecting on this question earlier and i suppose every now and then i have these little moments where i'm reminded of the impact that i make i think it's i find it easy to forget sort of what i do especially i've been a counselor for 10 years now so it's just become normalized um to me but every now and then i will hear from a a past client or um or a present client will say something in a session and i'll have that moment of realization of how Someone's life has been completely changed, not by me, but by the work they have done through engaging either with counselling or by starting to practice mindfulness regularly or by learning to connect with nature and doing that regularly. Whatever it is that I've helped them with and that improvement that's been made and it's a real moment of kind of, it's quite humbling um, to to realise kind of the impact that you can have. Sometimes just by doing really basic things, like just being kind and listening to someone, I think I can forget the impact that that has. But over 10 years, obviously, I've worked with hundreds of clients now. And so I guess that's a pretty good feeling to think, you know, that hundreds of people's lives have been improved in some small and in some very big ways. In some ways, you know, you never know for sure, but there's certainly been people who, whose lives have been saved through the work that they've done through coming to therapy. Um, And so it's really nice for me to remember that, actually. So thank you for asking me that question because, um, yeah, it really reminds me that the work I do, which, you know, and some of the work I do is incredibly boring because it's like doing my accounts or, you know, all the admin, all the the behind-the-scenes stuff that can sometimes seem like a slog, but it's all there to support those things where you are really making an impact. So Thank good. you for sharing
1: that. And I think, uh, you know, this is a question that people answer in many different ways. It can be through the impact you make on people's lives, through uh, sometimes people share numbers. We, I leave it open to my guests to share. But I think just because we have these listener base from 40 different countries, it's really nice to bring that in just to showcase why uh you know we're talking to you uh (laughs) yeah
2: yeah i heard um oh sorry i was just going to share a little story um a client said maybe about a month ago this client came in and it was his last session actually and he said oh do you know um thank you you've helped me so much and he was saying you know what was different in his life and that was really nice and then he said but it's not just me that you've helped and i wasn't sure what he meant and he went on to say well you know so many things that you say I kind of I take away with and sometimes I write them down and then when I meet up with my friends and it was a male client um and that felt particularly relevant because um that men obviously there's a lot more stigma around mental health with men in our society um I said oh, I go and I meet up with my friends and I tell them all of the things that you have taught me and all of the things that have helped me and I share that with them and it helps them too. And it was just such a lovely moment because that's again it's the ripple effect, isn't it? That
1: yes, definitely I don't
2: realize, and I was so grateful to him for telling me about it because it it might happen all the time where people will share, you know, oh my therapist said this, or I learned this in a mindfulness class, or I saw this thing on Instagram, or whatever, and it helped me in this moment. So it's really nice to know when you have made an impact because yeah, I put a lot of energy and effort into my work and it's, you know, I don't need constant praise, but it's so nice to know when it is having an
1: impact. Oh, definitely. It'll be very motivating because, you know, you, you get all that positive energy to take forward to the next session. So that's great. I guess while you've done, you mentioned a lot of the positive things, there must be challenges on this journey as well. Are there any challenges that you can share and, you know, how you've surpassed them? Or overcome them
2: Mm. yeah there's lots of challenges um I think especially when I first started out lots of self-doubt you know do I know what I'm doing um and all of that which I think anyone starting any kind of business or project feels that um and of course still crops up especially when I try something new um which is normal so um, practicing what I preach, I suppose, with a lot of self-compassion <laughs> certainly helped a lot and letting myself do things imperfectly um, and just know what my intention is. And if my intention is good and I'm, you know, doing my best, then that's that's good enough. Um, I think probably, especially over the last few years, the biggest challenge for me, because I, I work on my own effectively, is the isolation, uh, you know, sometimes you know, I could spend a day with clients um working through trauma and uh, that's heavy stuff and that can be a lot to hold by myself and so I don't hold it by myself. I make sure I have lots of supervision. I have colleagues, you know, who we don't work in the same business, you know, we're not employees together, but we might do something similar. I make a big effort to meet up with people um and get out the house and go in talk with people who run their own businesses, you know, who do similar things um, and share kind of that responsibility together because yeah, it's it's no good feeling isolated. I can't fix everything for everybody. And that would be um, that's not a helpful way of looking at things. So I think for anyone running a, a project, a charity, an organization, a business, being doing it solo is it's a lot. And so you need to kind of reach out and get support, and that's helped me immensely. Yeah.
1: I think having a circle of support in whatever form or fashion, whether it's formalized, non-formal, informal, I think it's really yeah. helpful because then you have, you know, people who are with common interests, common, uh, common ways to yeah. engage, and I guess common ways to listen as well. I'm sure somebody like you would also need yeah. a good listener from time to time. <laughs> exactly
2: yes it's no good if it's just if i'm just holding everything so um i remember when we did um, when i did my training and we were talking about supervision which is where therapists can talk about their client work so a lot obviously a lot of what we do is um confidential so that can make it tough to to talk about as well and and get that support you can't kind of let off steam about your day in the same way you know i don't know if you work it marketing or something <laughs> you might be able to. Um, so we have supervisors where we can talk, you know, the clients still and um, their identity is still hidden, but we can talk specifically about the work that we're doing. Um, and so without that, frankly, I think you'd go a bit mad yourself. And when, when I was doing my training, someone asked, you know, oh, so we have a supervisor and the supervisor has a supervisor. Why where, where does <laughs> it end? said my colleague. And I remember um, our tutor just going, ah, with the great supervisor in the
1: sky. (laughs) I like that. The great supervisor in the sky. That's a very, very nice thought. Yeah. (laughs) How can interested people reach out to you and learn more?
2: So um, I spend quite a bit of time hanging out on Instagram, probably more time than I should, but I actually really enjoy it on there. It's a lovely community. So um, I'm at Natalie Rossiter Wellbeing. You can find me on there. I'm on Facebook too. um, And my website, which is just natalierossiterwellbeing.co.uk. You can find my email address on there. And I'm always very open to people just dropping into my inbox and saying hi um, and having a chat and looking at the various. I do as i've said lots of different types of therapies and events and things like that so lovely for people to get in touch because it's just me in my little office here so it's always nice
1: to hear from people. that sounds really good thank you and i i've always include your uh, website in in my contact information you know in the podcast uh, contact information uh, Uh, what advice would you have for people looking to start something similar in another part of the world or another part Mm. of the UK? How should they get started?
2: Well, I guess what I have done has sort of evolved organically. And actually someone contacted me recently to ask, you know, I'm interested in all these things. What shall I do? (laughs) Um, So I think you've just got to kind of trust the process and um, find your own path with it. So I think just keep learning. Um, always learning so um, you can't do all of the trainings you know all at once but find something you're interested in focus on that study it practice it Um, and as I said at the start practice what you want to teach or, or whatever as well it's got to come from that authentic place to try and immerse yourself in whatever it is that you're passionate about and I think I would say to people to lean into their natural skills. So whilst we can learn things and of course hone our skills, my journey came from something that was just a part of who I am already. So not forcing something that doesn't really fit, you know, something I feel like I should do or someone else has told me to do. So I think if you're passionate about something and you've got some kind of natural ability in it, just keep learning and trust the process, see where it goes um let things be a bit squiggly and free-flowing, there's no direct sort of line, uh, you know, path to success, whatever that might be. Um, and enjoy yourself, enjoy the process.
1: I like that very much because you know that trust the process and enjoy it as well, you know. Uh it is going to be ups and downs, but uh there's going to be joy in yeah. it as well. Thank you for sharing that.
2: Yeah, you never know what's gonna lead on. You know i didn't set you know you know in five years time i want to be teaching mindfulness another five years time i want to be doing forest therapy i didn't know that you know you kind of just got to go with it and see what comes up and kind of allow yourself to be pleasantly surprised by the twists and turns you know and you can be working really hard on something and you don't know whether anyone's listening or you know whether it's going to have any impact Um, and you just have to keep going I think if you believe in it if it's meaningful to you and if you can see that you're helping even one person then you have to be fueled by that positive experience and just know that good things take time as well.
1: That's also so important right having the patience to wait it out for that right time because the right time
2: makes the patience that is definitely something I've had to learn. (laughs)
1: okay an opportunity for you to talk about anything i haven't had a chance to ask you before i go to my signature questions
2: Mm, i think we've covered absolutely loads um but just to remind people that have a calendar of year-round events so things like i think the next one the next few things coming up is um got a winter well-being workshop which is a pay as you feel thing um and will be recorded as well and and go on my shop so i know a lot of people struggle in Winter. so if you're kind of listening to this uh, interested in mental health your own and others um then just yeah check out see what's coming up and it'd be lovely to connect with
1: thanks for sharing that and sounds sounds like a timely need with you know less sunlight around i i always say that one of the reasons i feel worse at winters because i'm not seeing much sunlight when you're walking your dogs in the morning or the evening it's all dark isn't it so
2: yeah it makes a big difference
1: It does make a difference. So now I come to my signature questions, which I ask all my guests. And my first one is, can you describe the Manchester spirit in a word or a phrase? Mm. I
2: think Mancunians, well, I guess I'm um, thinking of the image of the bee, um, the worker bee, so industrious, industrious. which can be a benefit and also a downside, perhaps. But industrious, um, I think kind of yeah, salt of the earth sort of people. Um, sometimes rough we can be a bit rougher on the edges, but hearts of gold, honest.
1: Um. That's a lot of different fra- I just wanted one, so I'm gonna go with the <laughs> with the industrious. I think that that I'm is go. yeah. that's a that's a good one. Can you share a Mancunian who inspires you and tell us why?
2: Oh, gosh.
1: Um, And they could be living or dead.
2: Yes, well, that's convenient because I suppose the first one that came to mind, which is probably not very original, but she does inspire me often when I think of her, is Emmeline Pankhurst. Um, Probably other guests have mentioned her or said her, but I don't mind that. Um, I think that kind of... Um, Just fierce spirit, unrelenting spirit and and living your values, knowing what's right and not giving up. Um, And, yeah, bringing people together in that way, that courage that she had and that she inspired in others. So, yeah, it's got to be Annalene.
1: No, actually, it's very interesting because these are new questions that I've introduced. Uh, What's the most important life lesson you've learned?
2: I think probably it is to trust the process. And I'm I'm kind of smiling and sort of wanting to roll my eyes as well as I say it, because when I did my training, people used to tell me this all of the time, to trust the process, but I was in my early twenties and I was in such a rush to do everything and wanted to know how everything would turn out and do everything right all the time and all of that stuff. and people used to tell me to trust the process and I found it really irritating um, <laughs> as a piece of advice but now so I'm 35 now and I'm like ah oh, yeah I would not I now give people that annoying advice um <laughs> myself and I even on my last holiday we went to Greece uh, earlier this year and I was in a shop and I saw it had trust the process written on this t-shirt and I just had to have it and it was like an inside joke to myself you know that me 10 years ago I would have been like oh for god's sake I hate that t-shirt but it's it's really true you've just got to go with it there's no guarantees um you've just got to yeah keep the faith and keep going
1: that that is also such a relevant point you brought up because it you yeah. know it's right place right time and yeah. context <laughs> is everything isn't it yeah the same t-shirt if you had seen it maybe in your 20s you would have just said oh yeah no way <laughs> so this is yeah. this is really true and it's very relatable exactly. for anybody because as we as we grow in years yeah. and yeah, wisdom exactly. <laughs> we have different levels of maturity that come in i think <laughs> if you could have one superpower what would that be
2: Hmm, one superpower. I was gonna say to remove suffering like with the click of our fingers, but actually I don't know if that would be it because whilst that's really tempting, sometimes we learn a lot and grow through our suffering. Um so maybe not that. Um I think actually what I would love to be able to do and for anyone to be able to do is to kind of to teleport themselves somewhere to be with the people they love, whether they're in another country or many miles away. Um, If I could just, you know, teleport myself down to London to be with my best friend or, uh, you know, to be back on the beach in Greece or something like that. um, That would be fantastic. You know, I think it's that. Those missing connections. Sometimes we want to be somewhere and we can't just be there. That would be so great if I could do that.
1: That does sound wonderful. I'm going home to India after three and a half years. It's my longest I've been away. And uh, I, if I could go tomorrow by teleporting myself or today, that would be yeah. even better to yeah. see family and friends in person and just to be able to hold sometimes. Mm. And you know, you can do a little bit over. Zooms and other things, but it's not quite the same. Not the it? same,
2: yeah. It'd be so amazing just to click your fingers and go over and have a cup of tea. You know, even if this super apparently lasted for half an hour or something,
1: <laughs> that would be a very precious half an hour, and we'd all take it, wouldn't yeah, we? <laughs> oh, I
2: hope you have a wonderful visit when you get to go.
1: Oh, thank you. Is there a funny story you'd like to share with listeners?
2: So I decided to go for a walk um, in the park. I was wanting to kind of put some notes together for a talk that I'm giving at the Manchester Mindfulness Festival. So this is both work and Manchester related, and yeah, I wanted to get the creative juices flowing. So I went for a walk in this park. It was a lovely sunny afternoon, and I was headed towards these benches, and I sat down. I could see these three lads I guess around 14 or something that were stood next to this young poplar tulip poplar tree and there was something I was like mm, what's going on here with these guys why are they stood there next to this tree in this way there was just something a bit off about the situation so anyway I sit down I get my notes out start doing that and I've kind of got like half an eye on these boys and then yeah they start pulling the branches off the tree and I'm thinking oh god what am I gonna do now? Like, except, you know, so connected to nature, it's so important to me. I can't just sit here and watch them do this, but also like my inner child was like, oh my God, they're bullies. You can't go over there and talk to these boys, but I had to, so I got up and I thought, okay, I'm gonna be mindful about it and not like yell at them, I suppose, in my judgmental mind, you know, I was thinking, what are these scally lads doing, you know, trashing the streets kind of, yeah, these stupid kids. Um, But anyway, I went over to talk to them and told them, please don't do this. And of course, you know, they're just kind of like laughing to themselves. But to be fair, they weren't too uh, bad. And they didn't understand that the tree was alive. It was a living thing. So I was explaining that to them. And it made me think, well, bloody hell, they're teaching in schools. Like if, you know, you got to 14 you don't know a tree is alive. But um, anyway, they didn't know. And so now they do. Um, And I kind of said, well, you know, you can continue to destroy this tree um or which is really unkind or maybe you're better than that I don't know that's a choice that you can make and so I just walked away and thought I'm gonna leave it at that my heart was being out my chest I'm thinking oh god they're gonna come and steal my phone or like, I don't know something like just or something awful is gonna happen because of it I sat back down and I like at least tried to look calm and carried on with my notes and they kind of ran off and I, I was carrying on doing my work, and then they came back like a few minutes later, and I, I got like engrossed in my notes again. And they came with these branches that they'd ripped off, but that they collected up into like a kind of bouquet, and then put them in front of me and went, "Oh, we, we brought you a present." And then oh, yeah. and I'm, oh, um, beautiful! And then oh. and then like ran off <laughs> sniggering, but like way rather than like aggressive way and it was such bizarre and random little interaction um with some teenage boys but it kind of actually was quite useful because I think I might include it in my talk um <laughs> which is about conversations.
1: <laughs> mm
2: yeah I mean who knows what they will take from that interaction um couldn't possibly say but you know it's something that could have like if i yelled at them or something I guess it could have gone very differently or if I'd said nothing um that could have gone differently as well so I was quite happy with the outcome you know who knows what I'll say they will actually take from that but it was kind of sweet how it ended
1: Oh, I really like it because it it shows that even, you know, sometimes just speaking up, one voice can make a difference, isn't it? It is very sweet. And while it's not the most funniest story, it is a very sweet story. So I will, I'll definitely include it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Natalie. It's been a real pleasure. And I've learned a little bit about mindfulness and forest therapy And the next time I go out to nature again, I'm going to have a little think about, you know, so I'll think about biophilia because uh, I'm definitely fascinated by different things and maybe it's my inner child or my outer child, I can't say, (laughs) Uh, but it was, it was really nice to talk to you. Thank you for that.
2: Thank you for having me on. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Natalie, thank you for talking to me and my listeners. I really enjoyed learning about forest therapy today. Dear listener, thank you so much for listening to the second episode of the Meet the Mancunian podcast season four. I hope this episode and the podcast itself encourages you to follow your passions inspired by the amazing Mancunian guests who feature here. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode or log on to www meetthemancunian.co.uk to listen to all the episodes and learn more about my podcasting story. Next week on Tuesday, 6th December 2022, the Meet the Mancunian podcast talks to Yvonne Hope about homelessness. Please do leave a review or a voice message on my website www.meetthemancunian.co.uk takes only a few minutes. Thank you so much.